0: Log Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 550th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Red Bull News Network. But don't forget, this is always going to be the American Soccer Show covering American soccer. The chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. This Wednesday night is the big semifinal matchups of the 2022 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Orlando City hosting the New York Red Bulls at Explorer Stadium at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Sacramento Republic hosting Sporting Kansas City 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. 10:30 p.m. Eastern all streaming on ESPN plus this will be the big games to see who will advance to the big final in September and we'll await that date coming uh, two different dates of course but we'll await for the official word from US soccer from the Open Cup committee on when that final is going to be scheduled so This is going to be fun. This is going to be exciting. I know you can't wait, and I can't wait. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. But before we even get into that, today, the dates have been dropped from U.S. soccer for not only qualification to the 2023 Open Cup with the amateur clubs across our great country, but at the same time, Scheduled dates for the tournament proper have also been scheduled as well. So let's go ahead and discuss real quick what will happen here. Now, what will happen, and I basically have written down the more important uh, dates that we should all be more concerned about. And, of course, the U.S. Open Cup Qualifying Handbook is already out online. Go to the... CubsOpenCup.com, or go to U.S. Soccer's website, and they'll have the news ready for you over there as well. So uh, it should be interesting and a lot of fun. But here are the more important dates right now. On August 17th, the matchups, excuse me, I should say, uh, qualifying rounds team matchup, excuse me, qualifying rounds team announced. That'll be on August 17th. That means the amount of teams per state in the amateur levels, will announce their uh, their attempt to qualify for the U.S. Open Cup, depending on where uh, they come from and which four of the different regions of our country, Northeast, Southeast, Central, uh, West, and which states and which clubs are going to be involved in it. So that should be interesting. Then on August the 25th, first-round qualification matchups – Will be announced for the first round of qualification, and those dates will be on the weekend of Saturday, September the seventeenth, and Sunday, September the eighteenth. So then, with the that being over and done with, on Monday, September the nineteenth, second round qualifying matchups, and though the dates for those games will be in October. On the 15th and 16th for the second round qualification. And then on October 17th, third round qualification matchups will be announced. And the third round qualifying games, that'll be on Saturday, November 19th and Sunday, November the 20th. And then of course, Monday, November the 21st, fourth round qualification round matchups will be announced. And then uh, in December, that will be the last round of qualification of this year on the 17th and 18th of December. And then once we have those teams qualified officially for the U.S. Open Cup, here are the scheduled dates of the tournament proper. First things first, the first round draw will be on... January of 2023, and then, of course, the following week will be the second-round matchup, the possible matchups in the second round of the U.S. Open Cup announced in January. We don't have an official date yet, but we all know that the month of January, once an official day, has been posted by the Open Cup Committee through U.S. Soccer. We will find out in the first-round draw who will face whom, and then the possible second-round matchups going into, obviously, the second round, which will be a week later after the opening round draw uh, will be announced. Here are the dates for the matches proper in the tournament of 2023. Games will be played on Tuesday, March 21st through through Thursday, March 23rd. Second round proper matches will be played on Tuesday, April the 4th through Thursday, April the 6th. And then the third round proper, Tuesday, April 18th through Wednesday, April 19th, fourth round, round of 32, that will include the eight-seeded teams from MLS to enter from Tuesday, May 9th through Wednesday, May 10th, the fifth round, round of sixteen. Tuesday, May 23rd, Wednesday, May 24th. A quarterfinals will be played on Tuesday, July 6th. Nothing in July for uh, any uh, any uh, games for the tournament proper. Wednesday, August 23rd will be the semifinals. And then on Wednesday, September the 27th, the Open Cup Championship Final will be played. Now, once again, just to let everybody know, U.S. Soccer, at the moment, you know, these are the dates that they're being given, but U.S. Soccer does have the right to change up these days on how they see fit if a change needs to happen. And so if there is going to be changes to some of these dates, either for the qualification rounds, or the tournament proper rounds, U.S. soccer will inform us of a change somewhere later on, probably more towards maybe, uh, I would say, in the new year or in January or February, depending on when we will get that news. If not, then things remain the same, and everything will be just as fine, so we'll have to wait and see what will happen then. Now. For those of you wondering, of course, and I know the big argument and the big question is where are these teams going to start and what rounds? Now, at the moment, at the moment, we have the amateur um the national leagues and the amateurs that have qualified for the tournament, which of course, you know, the amateur leagues below NPSL, USL League 2, Either U.S. Adult Soccer Association, U.S. Club Soccer, a even UPSL. Those teams that are going to be qualifying for the Open Cup, along with the National Premier Soccer League uh, sides and U.S.L. League Two sides, will start off in the opening round. At the moment, second round proper will be U.S.L. Championship, which is Division Two. And then the third round proper. The majority of the MLS sides, not counting the top eight seeds, of course, through uh, where they finish in the playoffs, and who will qualify for the Concacaf Champions League. So we'll have to await, you know, that decision when it comes. And then, uh, and that's in the. Uh, third round and then of course in the fourth round excuse me uh, the remainder of the MLS teams, the eight seeded teams will come into play joining the winners of round three into the fourth round so we'll have to wait and see you know, how that will play out and once again it all will be seen once uh, the current seasons are done and dusted. Now just to let everyone know and are curious to know about, well, where are the Division Three clubs are going to play? And once again, that's the big question mark right now for the uh, these teams that are in USO League One, NISA, and of course, MLS Pro Next, obviously. So with that, here is what US Soccer has put down for us. Round of entry for Division Three teams will be determined in January based on the final count of professional teams. Now, what that says to me is this. This will depend on how many teams are either added through expansion or deleted because they can no longer be involved uh, financially in the Division Three leagues of U.S. soccer. So, to me... That's the big question mark, depending on what is going to happen, or or maybe, and I'm only speculating on this, so do not go along with what I'm saying here. This is just pure speculation on my part. That would mean probably, and if it does happen, USL League One clubs, I would assume NISA clubs, would be involving themselves in the second round and if there are no other new clubs added to MLS Pro Next which would be those non-MLS 2 teams uh you know in that league then i would say a club like Rochester FC New York would might enter in the opening round now like i said it's just speculation on my part i have no information whatsoever to corroborate this But once again, this is just my belief. This is what I'm speculating. I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it as fact. I'm just saying that that could be a possibility that Rochester FC New York – excuse me, yep, Rochester FC New York or Rochester New York FC, however they want to call it, will begin either in the opening round – with the National Leagues, like NPSL, USL League 2, and the Amateur Qualifiers, or they'll join the rest with the Professional Leagues of Division 3, like USL League 1, like the National Independent Soccer Association, and they could join in Round 2 with USL Championship, who are, of course, the second division sides. So we'll see what happens when that gets announced, but for now it is wonderful to see the dates and the clarification for the qualifying rounds for the 2023 US Open Cup and the proper and the proper tournament dates tournament proper dates for the actual tournament in 2023 um and i also have to commend us soccer for at least informing us of when these dates are going to get underway because so many times it's been you know a big question mark it's been about you know how is this possible when is it coming why are we taking so long what's the issue what's going on i want to give uh the matt the tournament commissioner David Applegate, a lot of credit for getting this information out in the qualification handbook as quickly as possible. And then, of course, once all the clubs have qualified for the Open Cup and, of course, those clubs in USL League 2 and NPSL has their complementary amount of clubs going to the Open Cup itself, we will, um, you know, move forward. And have some fun, and don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, Open Cup coverage—not just with the Cup US, and of course through US Soccer. Here in the Fourie Teams Fire American Soccer Show, uh, I will be giving out, you know, information as well, and hopefully will contact those amateur sides ready to go. And if you are again a fan of the National Premier Soccer League, what I will do once again, I will in uh, contact those clubs. That have qualified for the Open Cup, who will not be on the Round One Draw Review Show. Those clubs will be on that show through the MPSL Soccer Show, and uh, we will, we should have some fun. But definitely, uh, I gotta say that this has been uh, great news to be uh, informed for us from the Open Cup co- uh, from the Open Cup Committee, and once again. I want to congratulate and I want to say thank you to David Applegate for doing this for us. And, you know, and don't forget next year, all matches and draws. Well, I should say all matches will be now through Turner Sports through either Bleach Report or the HBO Cinemax app. I know I have the app and I can get I get it for free through my cable provider. I hope you're able to get it for free through your cable provider, uh, and we'll see what happens with the Open Cup, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, maybe there'll be some games on uh, Bleach Report, and hopefully um, it won't cost a fee to get Bleach Report, uh, and we can watch as many matches you know, on the app as as much as possible and hopefully uh through our computers and our laptops and we'll hopefully we'll see what happens moving forward. But once again, uh, this is a huge development, uh, to find out about what's going on for 2023 and for the next 10 years after this tournament is over with. So we're going to get ready for that. And, uh, This is going to be exciting, this is going to be a lot of fun, and we shall see what will happen, and it's going to be exciting and great. Time, ladies and gentlemen, to get ready for the show here. Joining me right now in this Open Cup semifinals for the 2002 edition, we're going to go to Orlando City first, and joining me tonight is Mr. Austin David, the beat reporter for Orlando City for the Orlando Sentinel, to talk about the big semifinal matchup at Explorer Stadium. Austin, good evening, how are you, and what's going on? Uh, Good evening to
1: you, I'm I'm doing right. you know, just, uh, it's been a heck of a week of soccer here in Orlando, there was Arsenal and Chelsea in town for... Uh, two games, uh, Orlando had a midweek game against Arsenal, and then Chelsea-Arsenal uh, played at the same time Orlando played Philly. So it's been a been a heck of a week here for Orlando soccer.
0: Well, I know that Camping World Stadium is not that far away from Explorer Stadium, so I don't know how you were able to uh, transfer yourself uh, back and forth from that match over with uh, you know Orlando and Philadelphia and the big game over at Camping World Stadium. Hopefully uh, – your gas mileage wasn't too badly used up. Oh, no. It's it's within walking distance, the two stadiums.
1: And uh, I actually just – I plotted myself right at the uh, the Camping World Stadium and watched the uh, Orlando City game on my computer while covering the game from uh, Camping World.
0: Okay. Well, that's good to hear. And, you know, I, I will say yeah. this. And usually I don't involve myself with VAR decisions. But, uh, hmm. yeah, that was a penalty, and I don't understand why – VAR or the referee, or I don't understand why the referee just didn't want to get it. Yeah, I can see why. Like, I I, I feel like that call is a lot more
1: complicated than it was made out to seem. It seemed cut and dry from the first couple replays that I saw it. But then when I saw some different angles, it it was more of a jostle between the two players where Antonio Carlos actually pulled Daniel Gadsack towards him, so the re- initial contact came from Antonio Carlos where he pulled Gadzak towards him then Gadzak grabbed Antonio Carlos so the contact was instigated ah. by Orlando's defender uh but it, it it it's one of those plays where when players are jostling in the box that happens all the time it's just a matter if the ref sees it or not so this time with yep. VAR uh he didn't want to make that call uh, it, it 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 wasn't a call that should have been a penalty, it would have been a game-deciding penalty, and, and with the two players going at it in the box, it's it. I, I understand where he came from
0: in that decision. No, absolutely. Well, Austin, Orlando City has reached the Open Cup semifinals in the 2022 edition. I believe this is either their first or maybe their second attempt in the Open Cup semifinals. This had to be Uh, a great run for this Orlando City team. I know they've had some of their issues this season league play wise, but for them to go on this run, what in your mind, what do you think Oscar Perea has done to get this club into a position uh, where the next step is to be in the final and to hope to win a championship? That's a very complicated
1: question. With a very complicated answer. So first off, this is the second time that Orlando City has made it to the U.S. Open Cup semifinals. The last time they did it was the last time that the Open Cup was played back in 2019. Uh, they beat NY, or they beat NYCFC in a penalty shootout, uh, ended up playing Atlanta, who ended up winning it that year. Uh, but it was at Orlando, and they, they fell in Orlando. Uh, as far as this year goes, they've just had some very favorable uh, draws and favorable results. Every single game they have played in this U.S. Open Cup run has been at home. And, you know, it, it <clears throat> with the schedule being as, as compact as it is, there were a lot of questions as to who would play and in what role. But Oscar has played his first team in just about every game. You know, he's he's a coach that has won the U.S. Open Cup with FC Dallas back in the day, and he, he knows the importance of it. He knows it is the the Easiest pathway comparatively between MLS Cup and U.S. Open Cup to win a trophy for Lando for the first time in their MLS history. So why not go all in on the tournament he's already won before? And they've just had some very good results. Um, The first two came against uh, the Tampa Bay Rowdies, who are a very good USL team. And the next one came against the Philadelphia Union, who uh, played most of their B team in that game the next two games uh, were a bit more complicated because both of them went to penalties and it took 120 minutes plus penalties to decide a winner. And in those games, Orlando was not the better team. They managed to get some very favorable goals towards the end. Um, The Miami game that they, the the round of 16 they played, uh, there were no goals in the full 90 minutes. And, That was a really, really tough game to watch. Uh, Two goals in stoppage time in the first half of stoppage time, and that was it. It was 1-1, went to penalties, and Miami didn't do all that great. Uh, Pedro Galese made a save, and they moved on. Then they played Nashville, who always gives Orlando trouble. And it turned out that uh, Henny Mukhtar scored in the very beginning of the second half, after a, a half that was pretty average for both teams. And Orlando, they probably whiffed on about 15 chances in the box. Like they had 23 shots on, on the area and only five were on target. So that kind of tells you the game that they were having, but Rodrigo Schlegel in the last second of stoppage time scores uh, a game tying uh, goal. And then they had the 120 minutes of stoppage time. There's a red card for Nashville. They bunker in. Orlando city can't do anything and they go to penalties. And, you know, if, if, um, if a penalty is not missed towards the end of the game by, um, oh, who was it? Eric Miller.
0: Eric uh, Miller, and
1: that was it. Yep. So Orlando moves on, and and now here we are. But it's been uh, it's been it's been a weird kind of run. They've had some very favorable matchups and uh, very lucky results, all things considered. And and the fact that they've been at home every single game, and they will be if they win uh, this Wednesday is kind of wild. You don't see that very often.
0: No, you really don't. I mean, you rarely get the luck of the draw that you, you're you home almost every single round of the tournament. And, you know, and once again, if there is a victory by Orlando on Wednesday night, you will host the final no matter what. You either mm-hmm. get Sporting Kansas City or Sacramento Republic, and that should be interesting. You know, I have to go into the quarterfinal matchup again against Nashville. Uh, You know, when it looked like doom and gloom for Orlando at the time and then coming out of nowhere, I think it was from the top of the area, where Rodrigo Schlegel just found a way to hammer home that ball. I mean, what was that feeling like in the stadium as soon as he powered that ball home and all of a sudden it's a frenzy again at Explora?
1: Yeah, I had my entire recap written, so that was a pain for me <laughs> all things considered. <laughs> I uh I had to rewrite my entire story from top to bottom and I basically I I wrote about 600 words and I just I just select all and delete I'm Like there's there's nothing I can use from this. This is a whole new game now. And uh yeah, it was just it was a wild time. I was at the time more upset than anything cuz I had to rewrite my story, but it was one of those moments where uh, this, this team has a history of doing things in stoppage time that really shouldn't be happening. You know, this it's, it's such a weird concept for Orlando where they have so much history in scoring really late stoppage time goals to salvage results. And, and in this case, it, it helped them get an advancement into a, a cup. You know, other times it's been game-tying goals or game-winning goals in stoppage time. They've even conceded late goals in stoppage time. But there's something about stoppage time that Orlando City even made T-shirts a couple years ago that said, we love stoppage time, or cardiac (laughs) Cat." So there's a history behind stoppage time in Orlando City that is just kind of wild.
0: No, Absolutely. And I I have to say this, and I I really have to say this, you know, seeing these games from Orlando, I mean, obviously we all know how strong they are at home and how good they are. I mean, obviously they've had a couple of bumps in the road here and there, but still though, I mean, Orlando is a side that I've seen pretty much a couple of times in front of me where, you know, they're coming ready to play. And, you know, I think, ever since Oscar Pareja has been their manager, uh, I think he's gotten them into better positions to be competitive. Nothing against Adrian Heath. We all know he's a decent guy, and he's a solid uh, manager during their USL time before coming into MLS. But, you know, Pareja knows how to work his roster and knows how to rotate it very well. I would agree with that to a certain extent. This
1: year has been very different when it comes to getting results because this year in league play they have the most home losses in the entire league and that is not something that orlando city does very often they have struggled to find consistency in scoring goals they haven't scored more than three goals in a game outside of their 5-3 loss to bottom feeders dc united they just lost their last game against philly 1-0 at home and so it's been a struggle to find offensive consistency and players have struggle to find consistency within their them, themselves. You know, it's it's been really tough to watch some of these games where there's a lot of negative play where players will, will get into advanced positions and then pass back and they'll work it around. And then there's, there's no real ideas in the final third to create offensively. And that's been a, a big struggle for this team this year is, is to not having a guy that like a Nani, like a Daryl DK, that can create themselves. Urchan Caro was supposed to be a guy that could be uh, getting on these balls from a Facundo Torres or a uh, Gaston Gonzalez when they signed him mid-season. Gonzalez is out for the season with an ACL, and Facundo has struggled with just getting acclimated to the league. So, you know, when you go from a player like Nani, who is is a veteran that can create for everybody, and and a Chris Mueller, who is has shown in this league that he can be a very talented player, and then Daryl DK, who is a, a creative, strong striker. When you go from that to, to what Orlando has now, they haven't adapted well enough. You know, they're, they're fine within the defense and fine within the midfield, but when it comes to that final third, it just hasn't come together.
2: Um,
0: so let me ask you this. Uh, The New York Red Bulls are coming down on Wednesday night, and it's going to be a big, big matchup, obviously, with Orlando. The last time the Red Bulls were in Orlando was back in April on the 24th, and it was a 3-0 victory for the visitors. What concerns do you have for Orlando City against the Red Bulls, and what do you think could be a, a, a strength for Orlando City against the Red Bulls on Wednesday night? I
1: think the biggest thing for Orlando is that they've, they've had really bad luck against the Red Bulls over the last couple of years. You know, the, okay. the press, regardless of which coach it is, the press that the Red Bulls employ has just befuddled Orlando's team to the point where they can't play out of it. And that 3-0 loss was the epitome of it, where they had nothing going offensively. Red Bulls were taking away everything in the midfield. They were forcing things down the wing, and, and Orlando was doing absolutely nothing with it. And they played them the right way. They did their scouting report. And I, I have a feeling that, you know, the Red Bulls coming into this game, they will have done their homework. They've rested a lot of their key guys against Austin. I saw that luquinas didn't play. Amaya didn't play. Lewis Morgan didn't play. These guys are going to come in fresh. Orlando just played all of their starters this past weekend. They also played in that game on Wednesday against Arsenal. So you're going to have fresh legs and a a very strong pressing side against a team of tired legs who has struggled to find an offensive identity. And so to that point, I think it's going to be, for Orlando's sake, a very defensive game where they'll they'll try and play from the back and, and be very not monotonous, but very uh, particular about when they go forward. So um, because the last couple of games against the Red Bulls, they've been caught out on the counter too many times. And, well, the Red Bulls are very good at that. So I think that's going to be a big key for this game coming up.
0: I agree with you there, and it should be a lot of fun. Okay, David, listen, uh, Austin, thank you very much uh, for joining me tonight. Good luck on Wednesday night. We'll see what happens, and uh, uh, hope. Hopefully uh, we'll see what Orlando can do on Wednesday night. They can give the Red Bulls a game. So thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks for your time. Thank you for your time. Austin David from the Orlando Sentinel covering Orlando City, uh, the beat writer of Orlando City, as the uh, first of two semifinals uh, will be uh, played once again Uh, ...down in Central Florida at downtown Orlando. Joining me now, of course, my good friend in the Midwest over in the Kansas City area, Mike Kuhn from the Blue Testament. As Sporting Kansas City will be on the road to take on the Sacramento Republic of USL Championship. CUNY, good evening. Um, You know, this is the opportunity where Sporting Kansas City, even though in league play it is probably the worst season they've ever had in their history... This is the only thing left for the club to fight for to get a championship cup if possible. You
3: no, know, I mean the we're at the point where the where the open cup is our season. I mean the 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 way to look at it, we have a two game season left. We have Sacramento and then if we win we have the final. That that's our season at this point. Um we have to get something like over like close to two and a quarter points per game, I think it is, for us to even realistically have a shot at the playoffs. And I don't even think that's realistically at this point. So the the playoffs are out of the picture. So, no, we're, we, we, we're in a two-game season. It's uh, win, win this game, win the final, or else it's nothing this year, basically.
0: No, I understand that. And, I mean, the last time I remember um, an MLS side having probably the worst regular season, uh, in league play that I've ever seen, you know, and then they win the open cup was when Ben Olsen was managing DC United and they defeated real Salt Lake over at Rio Tinto stadium. And it was a, a one goal victory. And I mean, you know, this is the opportunity that, uh, sporting Kansas city has. And when you see them going up against a club like Sacramento Republic, that basically, um, While they are in a playoff position themselves in USL Championship, you know, they're the ones now carrying the flag of lower division soccer in this country. And what does Peter Vermeese need to game plan for, which, you know, obviously he put in the backup keeper against LAFC, and he has Melia going in the semifinals.
3: I don't think, I don't know if you'll see Melia tomorrow or Wednesday night, honestly. Melia left hurt against LAFC, so,
0: and he oh, was just coming know off a okay. shoulder
3: injury. Yeah, yeah, no, he, w- he was subbed out in the 53rd minute against LAFC and Pulse camp came in and uh, had, he'd gotten, he'd hurt his shoulder against uh, Montreal um, a couple weeks ago, so, I mean, I don't know if, Saturday against LAFC was uh, re-aggravating that or if it, w- if, if it was something different. Um, but, I mean, I would not be surprised if you don't see Melia on Wednesday night. I would I would think Pulse Camp, who's been in goal for Casey's three other Open Cup games so far this year, I think he's likely to be in the net again on uh, Wednesday night, barring uh, something. Barring Vermees deciding he doesn't want to play him because he needs him this weekend or Melia making a miraculous recovery. I think pulse camps getting the start in goal, um, against Sacramento. And I mean, for, for them, it's, I mean, I don't even, yeah, they're in a playoff spot and yeah, we're horde And I know the it, Kansas City's the favorite just simply because they're the MLS side. They're the higher team. They should win. But I mean, I don't have a lot of confidence in Kansas city to get it done tomorrow night or not tomorrow. I keep saying tomorrow, Wednesday night, simply because they're uh, just the way that they've been playing lately. It, it leaves so much to be desired in the way the team is playing offensively specifically, but the defense isn't filling anybody with any confidence either at this point.
0: Right, and I don't blame you for feeling like that. I mean, this is really uh, more like patchwork for Sporting Kansas City right now than I've ever seen. You know, ever since the club has been around, or even under uh, the tutelage of Peter Vermes. But let me ask you about Sacramento at the moment. What causes you big concern right now? Because obviously, in your quarterfinal matchup against Union Omaha, I mean, basically Sporting Kansas City ran roughshod all over them. And you know, took them out that six nil victory uh, over at Children's Mercy Park. Here, you're going to be on the road at Hart Health Park. Uh, obviously, the California State Fair uh, will be over there, so uh, there's going to be a tons of lights, uh, a tons of carnival stuff going on. But at the same time, this is a big matchup. And what worries you right now with uh, Sacramento Republic uh, moving on this coming Wednesday night? I mean
3: the the main thing is just the the excitement level of coming of a I mean I I hate the term and big club coming in because I mean it's it, it's not that big of a difference overall but I mean you got you got a team from the top league coming in you have all the uh, all the press and stuff with regards to Sacramento's uh expansion bid and everything and you just have the feeling that they still have a chip on their shoulder because of that, basically. So um, it just all angles of it. And then you, you just have a Kansas City team that defensively can't defend crosses to save their lives, can't create much in the way of scoring, ha- are relying on wonder goals from midfield or – Johnny Russell or Daniel Shawley having moments of brilliance to to open things up. They're they're not getting production from Shelton at the nine, even the little things that he didn't pass that allowed him to be successful and allowed Vermes to think, "Oh, I can make it this season with him." He's not doing any of that. He's he, he's become a liability, honestly, at the number nine position more than an actual striker, and that that bears out in the fact that he has one goal contribution and like seven shots in however many games he's played this season. Kansas city's just doesn't fill me with any confidence. And that alone makes me fear Sacramento.
0: No, and I don't blame you. I mean, what, I mean, is it just injuries that are just, you know, the big culprit here for sporting or has it just been, you know, like you said, Kyrie Shelton hasn't been, Kyrie, um, you know you can't have Shallowy and Russell, you know, put the club on their backs to get them forward. Has it been a misstep, uh, you know, with players in Sporting KC 2 you know, just not fulfilling their needs? Uh, is it also targets through the transfer window that just hasn't uh, worked for this club this season? Yes that's the easy answer yes (laughs) all
3: of the above i mean it's it's failures in the scouting and signing department from for the foreign signings i mean you looked at jose maury who was gone after 22 minutes this year against atlanta because he just basically quit out there it's you got the bad foreign signings you got the skc2 guys aren't you're not getting the big push of skc2 players coming forward you got injuries you got just it, it, it's everything I mean it everything that can go wrong has gone wrong basically I mean it it's just a multitude of everything and that 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 at the same time that shouldn't excuse Vermes and bliss and the rest of the technical staff for for uh, the for for the way the team's playing either because I mean there are ways to work around the situations I I'm I'm to the point where I don't understand why certain players are starting why I mean Kyrie Shelton's the easy one is to question why he's still starting most games for this team and I mean, the, the best Kansas City has looked over the last month was in the first half against uh, Salt Lake. In the game, they ended up losing 3-0. I think it was that game. Maybe. <laughs> Whichever game it was where he, we had Jonis, uh, Shallowy, and Russell as the front three looked, like, looked fluid in attack, looked organized up there. I, it actually gave me some confidence. And then the very next game, it was back to Shelton up top again. It's like, Why? I'm just exhausted Mm. of it at this point, Daniel.
0: No, I don't blame you. I mean, this is one of those – This is actually, I'll be honest with you. This is one of those rare seasons where I never thought I'd see Sporting Kansas City floundering below the playoff line. And at the moment, this is the only thing that's keeping them above the water and gasping for air is this open cup run that you guys are having at the moment. But let me just ask you this. For – Sporting Kansas City to have a successful road victory And advance to the final And you know Depending on what happens between the Red Bulls and Orlando Whoever wins that one Either you're going to Orlando Or you're going to host the Red Bulls What does Sporting Kansas City Really need to do To you know Push away Sacramento And get a big lead Or at least edge them to get into that Final championship match that you haven't been to In a while
3: I mean, I think the main thing they have to do is they they have to control the wings, basically. I mean, uh, I mentioned earlier that Sporting has had so many issues this season with defending crosses. And, I mean, it starts with denying that's, those sorts of opportunities. Don't let the ball get into your box like that. Uh, defend the wings. And it, it also comes with just generating attack, generating something in the way of attack. And that's not been coming for Kansas City either, The, the especially over the last few games. I mean, I, I, w- I was looking it up uh, before I came on, and, I mean, Kansas City's lost four straight at home now. They've scored one goal in those four games at home. Now, sandwiched in between is the Omaha game, but they've lost four straight league games, allowing scoring just one goal. And it just... the the offense has to do something, whether that's uh, with Eric Tommy stepping up, whether it's uh, uh, Willie Agata, the two new guys that they just brought in, whether it's them actually stepping in and taking over roles that other players weren't or what, but something that, that they just, I mean, my hope in a wonderful world is that they, they come in and they, prove why they're an MLS team and it's a comfortable 2-3-0 win. But I just, I can't see that the way this team's playing right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. But let me just say this, though, and I, I have to ask this question. If, it, if there is a miracle that Sporting Kansas City does defeat Sacramento, who would you rather face in the final, the Red Bulls or Orlando? I mean,
3: I'd like the home game and I didn't think we looked that bad against uh, uh, when we played you guys uh, about a month or so ago at Children's Mercy Park. So I think another day, Kansas city wins that game against you guys. So I would love another crack against the Red Bulls, especially since it would be at home again and we'd get another, another cup game at home. And we always like those. Um, I, I think, Honestly, we match up as well against probably better against you guys than we do against uh, against Orlando. Honestly, but yeah, I mean, I, I I'd say the Red Bulls at this point more so because we get the home game.
0: Right. No, I Understandable. Look, I mean, I was, I mean, in that league match, I was I was expecting a knock them out, drag them out fight between uh, the Red Bulls and Sporting KC and and I'll be honest I thought Sporting Kansas City was going to eke out if not a point the full three points but you know we just got lucky on that corner that of course went short and then Lewis Morgan just made a beautiful cross and Aaron Long just ran into the ball and headed it in past Melia who wasn't even expecting it to go into the net and then we just took the full three points away from you guys so I mean like I said and I agree with you I think any other time uh, I think I think your guys get it, but who knows? We'll have to wait and see, and uh, it's going to be a very interesting final to see what happens, but first, let's see what happens in the semifinal. CUNY, as always, I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for joining in again, and uh hope to catch you again soon, and have a good night, all right?
3: Always a pleasure, Daniel. Talk to you later.
0: All right, talk to you later. Mike Kuhn from the Blue Testament of SB Nation, covering Sporting Kansas City, as they are going to take on Sacramento Republic. Now it's time, now... Uh, couldn't come on live with me tonight. He, he recorded this one uh, on Friday, but this is a uh, Sacramento Republic r- reporter, Mr. Evan Reem. Of course, formerly of Indomitable Soccer City from SB Nation, no longer with them, but he still uh, reports about Sacramento Republic. And here is that uh, recorded audio interview right now. Once again, Evan Reem from Sacramento, California. Daniel seen here. Welcome back to the American Soccer Show as we preview the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup. And talking to me right now all the way on the West Coast in Northern California, Sacramento Republic reporter Mr. Evan Reem joins me to talk about the big semifinal matchup against Sporting Kansas City. Evan, how are you and good evening?
2: I'm great. How are you?
0: Doing very well. It's a very, very exciting time, the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup. A big semifinal matchup against Sporting Kansas City, a two-to-three-time Open Cup champion, coming to Heart Health Park in downtown Sacramento. And as I've heard already, the venue is sold out.
2: That is correct. It's uh, um, and, there, and there's a buzz in the town for this for this game. So it's. it's yeah, I mean, this is either the biggest or second biggest Sacramento Republic FC match ever, so I think people are really excited.
0: What a run they've had. I mean, obviously starting off in the second round, going all the way to the semifinals, the last USL championship team, or at least the last USL club to go that deep, FC Cincinnati in the 2018 eighteen Open, no, I think it was 2017 excuse me oh. Open Cup uh, tournament where they lost to the New York Red Bulls in extra time three goals to two but uh, I just gotta say that everything Sacramento has done has turned to gold it's just unbelievable the run the club is in
2: yeah and by the way think Cincinnati should have won that game um we got around 2-0 with the 75th minute um but uh, yeah I mean this year the run the run's been excellent and actually if you look at their entire Open Cup history in Sac Republic Sac Republics only actually walked once at home ever and that was to Kitsap Pumas of the PDL in 2016 in a game they didn't necessarily take 100% seriously but um, yeah this, this I believe was the first year that they've ever beaten an MLS team on the road when they um, went and beat the Galaxy I was at that game it was awesome atmosphere probably like a thousand Sac Republic fans there and you know now the club has the chance to uh become the first non first division team to make the final sense of one of the 2008 or 2009 when the Charleston Battery did it
0: yeah absolutely and that's been an amazing time here you know I have to ask you what a revelation Rodrigo Lopez has been of course uh was there, what's his nickname now? Uh, Lolo? Roro Roro Roro, Roro? Roro. Roro, yeah. Yeah, I mean, four goals in Open Cup competition, including that uh, big quarterfinal match against the Galaxy, scoring the first goal of uh, the match in the quarterfinals. Uh, to see two players right now, both Rodrigo Lopez, Luis Felipe Fernandez. He has three goals, Luis Felipe. Right now, Rodrigo Lopez with four leading in the goal-scoring department in the Open Cup. What can you say about this run where these men are basically leading the charge?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty accurate, actually. Those, those and, and this is it's interesting. Rodrigo Lopez, probably, well, definitely the best player in uh, Republic history. I don't know how many people you know know about his story but I mean he's 35 now right but and this is his third stint with the Sacramento Republic and he was the best player by far when they won their title in 2014 came back in 2020 then basically got cut after the 2020 season and then it was really surprising to see him re-sign this year and he's been excellent but if anything the club has been maybe a little bit too reliant on those Rodrigo Lopez and Luis Felipe. I mean, uh, a week or two ago, they played against Oakland Roots, and if it weren't for late goals by both of them, or, um, or sorry, they both scored, then they would have they would have lost that home to the Roots. And so, yeah, it's been an excellent run, but there hasn't really been, uh, well, there hasn't really been a third or fourth or whatever player to essentially emerge and help carry the weight. It seems like Rodrigo Lopez and Luis Felipe are doing a lot of the. Uh, groundwork and I think it would be uh, you know beneficial if some other players started standing out as well to
0: be honest. We all know USO championship is a long grueling season just like MLS yeah. is in the top division in American soccer but you know is there a worry even though Sporting Kansas City is not having a great season right now in league play but you know as I've always said if a certain team is going to go on a run in the Open Cup look out below because they're going to find a way to upset the upset, if you know what I mean. And even though um, Sacramento is still in a playoff position in the USL championship in the Western Conference, is there a worry about Sporting Kansas City coming to Hart Health Park and pulling off their own upset because they are a dead last team in the Western Conference of MLS? Well, I was
2: actually thinking about this earlier, and, Sporting Kansas City doesn't have – I know they're only seven points out of the playoffs, but, like, that, that's a lot more points than people think it is <laughs> at this point in the season. And um, I think <clears> – <throat> sorry, excuse me. I think that uh, because they're in the position that they're in, it probably is worse for the Republic, actually, because this is, this is their season. And um, Sporting Kansas City has won the U.S. Open Cup four times, and if they win it – this year, then they will be the first MLS team to win at five and tie the all-time record um, for any team of winning the competition. So I think they'll be incredibly motivated and I mean, regardless of where they are in standing and how many injuries they have, Sporting Kansas City a more talented team than the Sacramento Republic. It's just the way it is. I mean, the disparity between the pay between the two clubs is massive and the quality as as well, but that doesn't mean that during one single night that Sacramento Republic can't beat them, you know, so it'll be an interesting game, I'm excited.
0: I have to ask you about head coach Mark Briggs, what has he done that has made Sacramento Republic so dedicated in the Open Cup, and you know, the season that he's had so far, uh, what can you say about him? You know, managing the Sacramento Republic side, that they seem to be dangerous every single home match, even on the road, to be a dangerous club and a dangerous opponent. To doesn't matter who is on the schedule and who they got to face in whichever competition.
2: Well, it, it's really clear that all the players have bought in and they believe in the, what the club is trying to do and what Mark Briggs is trying to do. But I will say this, you know, I was at the, the game in L.A., or, well, Carson, um, and my, I was with a friend who, I a former Division One soccer coach who I think is a really, has a really excellent mind for soccer, and we just could not believe how organized Back Republic were. And that's when they were playing a back 3 or a back 5, whichever one you want to call it, but the discipline that they had in their defending and defensive structure and the effort that they were giving was incredible, right? And it's always hard to break down an organized side. That being said, they still got in behind and even though they didn't have um, more possession than the Galaxy, they created the more dangerous chances, right, and so so the club is both extremely disciplined and hard to break down and also really good at getting in behind and creating chances on on the counter. I mean, I think that'll, that'll work fine against, you know, any, any MOS team. I think that they're going to be a hard beat no matter who plays
0: them. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think this is going to be a dangerous game for Sporting Kansas City. I really think that uh, Sacramento will have the edge here. And, of course, at Heart Health Park, it's going to be a sold-out house once again. It's going to be exciting. I, I know I probably shouldn't be asking you this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You're You know, in the... Finals draw, Sacramento, of course, drawn last. Uh, That means that uh, they'll be the road team no matter where they go, uh, either to Orlando or to the New York Red Bulls. You know, how much of a contingent are you expecting to travel all the way across the country to the East Coast, whether it be Red Bull Arena or Explora Stadium in in Central Florida? You know, how big of a contingency are you going to be, or will be sent, I should say, to watch this Sacramento Republic team try to become the second lower division side to defeat an MLS team in the Open Cup final since the 1999 Rochester Rhinos? And, of course, the last time it was that Charleston battery, I think back in 2008 at DC United. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, they've got to win the game against
2: Portland, Kansas City, obviously. Um, but, you know, if they, if they make it, you know, it is, it is tough, right, because it would be a midweek game, right, and it would be all the way um, on, on the East Coast. But, uh, I mean, there were, like, a thousand public fans in, in L.A., right? I don't know if, if they all drove or flew or whatnot, although right now it makes more sense to fly given gas prices. But um, it was a really strong – contingent of supporters and i mean i i don't think i could place a number on it really to say how many would travel but i i mean i can tell you if they make it all be there so
0: yep no i understand absolutely i mean this is going to be a a big time moment for sacramento republic If they do do the deed and they do head down or head across the country to take on and face either Orlando or the New York Red Bulls, that should be fun. But like I said, I don't want to put a cart before the horse. This is a big moment here. Depending on uh, what Peter Vermees does with the starting 11, whether it be Tameleon goal, which I'm assuming it might be, I don't know, um, or he'll put in his backup goalkeeper who's been basically the uh, the starting goalkeeper for most of the Open Cup games. Uh, what are you expecting? Are you going to be on the call with uh, both Briggs and Vermees as they preview this semifinal matchup on Tuesday? What will be the discussion in your mind?
2: Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I, I when you know can't claim to speak for either the managers, and uh, but I would imagine that. Uh, Peter Vermees will play as the eleven. I mean, this is their best chance of winning a trophy this year, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it's probably their only chance of winning a trophy, if we're being honest. Um, But, you know, I I can't say. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, want to speak for either of the managers, but, um, fun fact, the uh, um, Sacramento Republic's first ever win in club history, Camelio was in goal for the other teams. So, It could be interesting.
0: It could be. It could be very interesting. We'll have to wait and see what will happen. And, of course, everybody, the match will be on ESPN Plus streaming the second semifinal matchup at 1030 Eastern, 730 Pacific at Heart Health Park, Sacramento Republic hosting Sporting Kansas City after the final, uh, the the first semifinal being done, which will be Orlando City hosting the New York Red Bulls at Explorer Stadium at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, also on ESPN+. Evan, thank you for your time. I appreciate it, and hope you have a good evening. Take care and talk to you soon. All right, thanks for having me, Daniel. Appreciate it. And that was Evan Reim covering Sacramento Republic uh, for a local Sacramento website or newspaper, so it's going to be a fun time. once again. Uh, Big moments here this coming Wednesday for the Open Cup. Uh, Obviously, preview the Red Bulls for you for this one. You know, they have had a very solid run going into the Open Cup. They've had a couple of tight games. They've had a couple of uh, dominant games, obviously. Uh, When you talk about, I would say, their third-round matchup against hartford And then their next match on the road in the draw for the fourth round at D.C. United. As we all know, D.C. United in a shambles right now. And uh, especially in that match, they didn't really play the majority of their starters, mostly bench players and uh, Loudoun United players for technically D.C. United too. So uh, they got throttled uh, 3-0 down at Audi Field. Uh, by the New York Red Bulls in their quarterfinal matchup, which was not being able to be played at Red Bull Arena, so they moved it to their USL Championship Club at Red Bull 2. At They played at Montclair State uh, Soccer Park in Montclair, New Jersey, and that was against the expansion side of Charlotte FC, and they were able to not only get the, dr- the dr- early drop on them, to make it 1-0, of course, then it was... Uh, a, a quick equalizer afterwards, and then the Red Bulls were able to take over in the second half of that matchup and win that one, to, uh, three goals to one. And then, of course, against New York City FC, dominant performance in the second half. I think dominant performance all the way around in the sec, uh, in that matchup as they really, really were looking to go. And uh, NYC FC... Uh, basically just did not play their game and they just looked uh, terrible. I thought they looked terrible. They looked out of sync. And once again, that's uh, the start of no Ronnie Dahlia. So uh, Red Bulls just looking strong and looking solid. And they were doing their darndest to go out there and, you know, get the necessary result. And they did three nil over New York city FC. And now they have this big opportunity against Orlando city. Now, while, I will agree with Austin David of or the Orlando Sentinel, who's just on the show tonight. No Daryl D. K. No Chris Miller, and I mean I don't know what's been going on with Junior Uso or Uso Junior, but you know they're not looking like they're dominant selves on offense, and you know they're not getting the positive results that they would normally get in MLS. And I just think that maybe this is Advantage Red Bulls once again on the road. And we all know that this is going to be a big, big opportunity for the Red Bulls to go out there and to secure the full, uh, I shouldn't say the full three points, but I think they're going to make it. I, I mean, to me, it feels like they couldn't make it to the final. Now Orlando's gonna probably play a, a, a strong defensive game. They're gonna be very, very uh, you know, heavily heavy block in their area. They're gonna find a way to uh eliminate the uh, the press of the Red Bulls. Once again, they've had a midweek game against Arsenal for the friendly. They had a loss at home uh, against Philadelphia Union, they've played most of their starters in both matches, and now what are you going to do in this one? And maybe for the first time ever, with during, you know with Oscar Pareja running Orlando, maybe he's bitten off a little more than he can chew. Now we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen on Wednesday night. But to be fair and to be honest. The Red Bulls have an opportunity here to get back into the final for the third time in their history, and depending on what happens in that other semifinal in Sacramento, California, will they travel to Sporting Kansas City if they beat Orlando, and or will they host the final against Sacramento Republic? And we'll have to wait and see what the answer will be after tomorrow night, and once again, this will be on ESPN+. 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Pacific. But this is going to be a, a huge, huge opportunity for the New York Red Bulls to go back down to the Purple Palace on Church Street in downtown Orlando, only a block and a half away from the Amway Center and two blocks away from Interstate 4. That this club has a big opportunity to reach the semifin to reach the finals the Open Cup, and let me just say this, and I, and I want to say this to the Red, to everyone who supports the Red Bulls and to those that follow me and uh, with my reporting on the Red Bulls, with the you know back in two thousand three under Bob Bradley, Clint Mathis, Samato Guevara on that club. And it was a 1-0 loss at Giants Stadium over the Chicago Fire. And then back in 2017, BWP, Sasha Kleistian, um, Mike Grella, you know, Luis Robles, even though it was Ryan Merritt in goal, you know, Jesse Marsh was the manager. After that, you know that weird ride in the Open Cup, it, you just have to say that you thought that was the surefire victory, even though the match was played at Children's Mercy Park in Kansas City, Kansas. You thought this was it. This was the the, the victory that was going to go. It was going to happen, and unfortunately, it didn't. Even though BWP pulled one late before stoppage time pulled one back. You know, that was a tough matchup. And, you know, it all depends on, you know, not only for the Red Bulls winning this, but who they're going to face in the final. This, my friends, is going to be the biggest, wildest ride you'll ever see because this is what I'm going to say right now. And if the New York Red Bulls do the deed, defeat Orlando City at their place, and then if they do travel to Kansas City or host Sacramento and they do the whole thing, badge of honor this would be not just for the New York Red Bulls as a whole, but for the academy. For developing these players. To have them ripped, roaring, and ready to go. And just pulling off, I would say, maybe the biggest, biggest upset in the history of the Open Cup. Outside of Lewis Morgan and Lukinyas. And Carlos uh, Carlos Cornell in goal. And, of course, some of the other players that they have here on loan or transferred. Aaron Long, who was a part of that Open Cup run in 2018. Ryan Mara, who was in goal. Now, we don't know if it'll be Cornell in goal or Mara in goal. We'll wait and see. But I'm telling you right now, if this Red Bulls club does win it all, and they do it with the majority of academy kids and drafted players, what a huge chip on the shoulder this would be. And this would put everyone in MLS on notice. And the entire... American soccer community unnoticed to win the national championship of American soccer. This would be the biggest victory ever for this club. Not just because they haven't won a cup ever since they got started back in 1996, but the, the direction that they've gone to the direction that they have moved to to go with academy players for the majority of the roster has been tremendous. If it does happen, there's still plenty of time. we got to see what's going to happen on Wednesday night. Great job by Gerhard Struber to rotate the, the starting 11 and the roster We're just going to have to wait and see what's going to happen. But boy, oh boy. This is a big opportunity the Red Bulls have and a big opportunity they cannot lose. But we'll see what happens on Wednesday night. Once again, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 4.30 p.m. Pacific. Orlando City hosting the New York Red Bulls at Explorer Stadium. And then the nightcap Sacramento Republic hosting Sporting Kansas City, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. All matches being played. And broadcasted, streamed on ESPN+. Plus. Call the match in Orlando. Expect Tyler Terrens and Devin Kerr to call that match in Heart Health Stadium in Sacramento, California. Now it's time to talk about that big victory for the New York Rebels in league play. Down at the Q2 in Austin, Texas as they defeated Austin FC for the very first time on the road, and oh my goodness what a match that was. Forget about the attempted comeback by Austin FC, led by Sebastian DeRussi who basically tried to do it all on his own, two big goals hell of a scissors uh, cross to Finley who just stuck his foot out to poke it in but the Red Bulls as a whole in this one. The Red Bulls as a whole. If the first two goals were not wiped out due to the due to both Omir Fernandez and Caden Clark being offside, that is a rout. That match is a com- rout of Austin FC. They were not prepared. They were not ready. They were not able to take on this club, and they were not able to handle the press. Even though they did fight back, they were still a goal short of that comeback, but once again, what you are seeing through Gerhard Struber right now is the man that has this club running on all cylinders, hitting the gas, and they're not taking their foot off the pedal especially with no Leukemias, no Lewis Morgan, and no Frankie Amaya. What you saw was the reward given to both Caden Clark, Daniel Edelman on that pitch, Serge Nagoma getting an opportunity, and it's such a shame that his hamstring got pulled in the 30th minute because if he was still able to play that match, I think he would have gotten at least more than one goal in that game. But everyone pulled their weight. Drew Yearwood with a fantastic goal, and the Goma with a fantastic goal. Cameron Harper played a great game. Tom Barlow, I am actually happy for Tom Barlow. You know, I don't want to really... You know, I know the article I wrote on Red Bull News Network about the striker department is lacking. The truth is, it truly is lacking. Barlow and Klamala. And you can't really put the club on the back of Sergeant Nagoma because he is only 16 years old. That they have to bring in someone who's a, uh, a veteran. It doesn't matter where they come from. It could be within, you know, an MLS veteran you want to bring in a veteran who's been playing in USL Championship to give him the opportunity to play for the Red Bulls or if you want to bring in a qualified striker from Europe it doesn't have to be a famous name it could be a you know a solid player that can be a striker uh in Europe but you know I mean I wish it was Lionel Messi we're not going to get him I wish it was you know maybe you know Cristiano Ronaldo which it's not going to happen we all know this um, it would be nice, you know, a big named, you, you know, European striker or a big named player to come from Europe, who's a or from South America under a designated player status. It would be great, but you just need a competent striker to go out there, match in, match out, because you cannot allow both Lewis Morgan and Lukinius, who are having fantastic seasons, they're having fantastic seasons, period. But you cannot require them to take the club on their back. They need striker help. But you know what? If Nagoma's hamstring injury is not that bad, it's only a mild strain, then hopefully he'll be able to be around for the final and get back in there. Not saying he's got to be rushed back in, but hopefully he can get back in there and go out and do the damage that we know he can do. But still, though, you know, we need to see him do it for a full 90 minutes. And I'm telling you right now, that match on Sunday night could have been the catalyst for him to say he can do it a full 90 minutes in MLS. Serge Nagoma felt horrible for him. I hope he's okay. We'll find out in the presser tomorrow uh, about Nagoma uh, for the Open Cup semifinal uh, through Gerhard Struber. But you know what? I just have to say it. Uh, he really looks like the real deal, Nagoma. I know it's early. I'm, I don't want to put any pressure on the kid, but so far he's just been fantastic. For him to get that goal, and Andrew Tarbell got, took his eye off of it, nutmegged himself when the ball ricocheted off his gloves, off the off the off the floor and into the back of the net. Unbelievable. Drew Yearwood stealing that ball, cutting inside the Austin area. And then burying that shot to make it two nil was unbelievable. And then, and then, my God, Drew Yearwood on the attack. It's two one Red Bulls in the second half. Steals another ball, moves it up, finds Yearwood finds Cameron Harper, fakes out the defender who just slop slop you know, was sloppy defending. He just went to the floor, tried to steal the ball. Nice cutback by Cameron Harper, buries the ball to make it 3-1, and then Harper helps out substitute Tom Barlow as he timed his run, smacked it with a half volley, and make it 4-1, and the Red Bulls are on cruise control. And as I've said it on Twitter, when even the first Austin goal that was basically put in and then the next two chances that were put in that's not lazy defending that's just golazos. it's just golazos. that's all they are because if it was lazy defending then I'd be the first one to say it but no, Austin FC was fighting back and they were basically smacking bangers that's all it is you can see how talented Austin FC players are and how talented the Austin FC team club is. Josh Wolf has done a good job. Unfortunately, this time around, they just didn't, have, they just didn't do a good job. He said so on Twitter uh, in the post match presser uh, with the Austin FC reporters, Eric Goodman. If you follow him, go to at Goodman on, t- uh, on Twitter and follow his uh, tweeting on what Josh Wolf said and what some of the players said um just amazing stuff and uh he does a very good job covering Austin FC uh for the Austin Chronicle go ahead and follow him but once again uh all you can say is that for the Red Bulls in this one I think this was their outside of the Open Cup victory against New York City FC uh in the quarterfinals I think and, and outside of some of the games they've played on the road, that they've had an amazing road record this year, 10th win of the season. I think this was, their, this was their best road performance of the season. This was their best road performance of the season. And, you know, possession numbers don't matter that much sometimes. It's the quality of the chances that you take, and all of them were quality, absolute quality. They jumped on every opportunity that they took, and they showed why that they are an up-and-coming side. And I want to give a shout-out to Max Bredos. Uh, of course, he is the broadcaster for Los Angeles Football Club for LAFC. He hosts the OG Soccer Podcast, uh, both on YouTube in video form and audio form uh, that you can probably listen to in all your uh, like like Apple uh, Podcasts, Spotify, all the major podcast networks and stuff. Uh, for streaming, Um, following him on Twitter. He is giving praise to the Red Bulls right now. He watched the match, and he's enjoyed what he saw. And this is why the talent level is improving in MLS, because we have academies, because players are growing within our general areas, including in the New York, northern new jersey, central new jersey, southern connecticut area where the new york red bulls can get players, put them into the academy and off they go and look at the fruits of their labor right now. Do I still think they need a veteran here to you know here or there to you know to find a way to solidify winning championships uh as much as possible? Yes. Yes, need to still bring in a veteran player who wants to come in. Now, if it's not a big-name player from Europe or South America, I can understand that, and that's fine. But you've got to bring in a guy that knows what they're doing, whether it be in the midfield, on the back line, or in the striker position, to put them up top. If that means changing the formation and no longer going 4-2-3-1, then that's what you're going to have to do. Because as of right now, more needs to be done with this Red Bulls team. But for now, this was an amazing victory on the road. They have another big matchup going on uh, against uh, the Orlando City in the Open Cup this Wednesday night in the semifinals. And then they come home, and they got to take on Barcelona in a friendly, and we all know what's probably going to happen. It's probably going to be the majority to start off. Red Bull two team Red Bull Red Bulls two players, Tom Edwards because he'll be suspended, not just for the Open Cup match due to the red card against New York City FC in the quarterfinals, but he's also been now suspended on yellow card accumulation uh, in the match against Austin FC. So he'll be suspended for the home match against the Colorado Rapids. So he'll be probably full blown ninety minutes against Barcelona. But uh, I would suggest Red Bull's two players, the majority of the roster, and maybe a couple of players um, who are substitutes getting the opportunity uh, to be starters. And then if you're going to bring in a couple of veterans uh, to sub into the second half, probably more like 15 minutes worth, I think that's the best thing to do against Barcelona because it's just a friendly. Whether they win this one or not, it should not matter. It does not matter. And, you know, got to say – if they do find a way to win that match, then that's great. But the truth is, this is just a friendly. It's just to get butts in the seats. It's probably going to be majority Barcelona supporters anyway, so don't worry about it. But once again, as I've said, this isn't, you know, the friendly is not the big deal. It's nice to see Barcelona come over and play against the Red Bulls. But you know what? To be fair and to be honest, it's just a friendly. We're not going to worry about this one. What we need to worry about is the Open Cup and the rest of the regular season of MLS, and see if they can hold on to the, a home playoff match in the top position, the top three positions uh, to move forward. That's all they have to worry about. Until then, don't worry about the friendly. Worry about the Open Cup. Worry about the regular season and then just move forward. Pray for Sergio Nogoma that the pull hamstring is not that bad and it's not that terrible and just move on. That's all you got to worry about right now if you're a New York Red Bulls fan. And we'll see what happens. But once again, they deserve the full three points. Austin tried to come back. They fell short. The Red Bulls get the full three points in the Q2 over in Austin, Texas. And it was a lot of fun to watch. And honestly. If those first two chances that went in uh, were not wiped out due to the offside flag, and let me be fair, they were offside. Omir Fernandez was offside on that first one. Caden Clark was just offside when Klamala shot it. If those two guys were not offside, it's a 6-3 victory. It's an absolute rout, and Austin would not get a second chance at trying to find a way to make it as close as that they tried to do in this one. But once again, the Red Bulls found a way to go out and got the full three points, and it was absolutely fantastic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for me tonight. Join me next week to uh, recap Open Cup semifinals and talk more American soccer here on the Forest Fire American Soccer Show. I want to thank my guests tonight. Austin David of the Orlando Sentinel, Mike Kuhn from the Blue Testament of SB Nation, and Evan Reem, Sacramento soccer reporter on the Sacramento Republic. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care so long and bye-bye for now.